from Wakefield. It's the Nolan Car Night Show. Inviting you to join Nolan as he looks back on part two of the second anniversary of the podcast and some memorable guests. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be on the audio or visual platforms, whatever it may be, for the Nolan Car Night Show second anniversary part two spectacular retrospect. I hope that you all, as the clock hits zero and we get closer to the new year, that your 2022 was spectacular and that your 2023 is even better and more successful, happier, healthier, and more prosperous at the time of this recording. At the time of this recording, as we get closer, as I said, to the new year, I just want to do a quick little video, the last bit of content I could possibly do at the, either at the end of this past 2022 year or the beginning of 2023 that shares my appreciation for everything that's come my way the last calendar year, not just to the podcast, but in life in general. And it gives me the opportunity to express what I've learned, not just about myself, but others, as well as some other favorite items in the podcast. So when we return, we'll talk about a few things I mentioned, plus much, much more when we return from this break. Thanks for staying with us for that real commercial break. Before we ended right there briefly, I talked about appreciation and learning about stuff, not just through the podcast, but life in general, the last calendar year. And what I've learned, the main takeaway is confidence. And sure, you may be saying, confidence? What, you never had confidence beforehand? Yeah, I did, to a certain degree, though. And what I mean is that doing something like a podcast is a challenging thing. It's a big thing to try to work at or do. And whether you're super successful like Joe Rogan or you're someone like myself who's very, very small, it takes a lot of effort and guts to do something like this. Take a lot of time to prepare, to edit, produce, and ask, and reach out, do all the stuff, promote it. And it, it, that shows the guts that someone has in doing something. And like I said, regardless of the amount of success that, you, that comes your way with doing it, it shows you, the person doing it, that you can do anything you want, at least to a certain degree. And by that, I mean, when I first did this, I wasn't sure about doing it. Therefore, I had a bunch of friends on. And then at one point or another, sometime during it, I got the confidence enough to ask at Mel, more well-known people, Mel Warren people, more well-known people. And then that started to build until now. I feel super comfortable asking these people, although certainly you always are nervous to a certain extent. But now I you know, have a le level of credibility, but also a sense of, okay, I'm good at doing this and I can believe in myself. And now if I see something else I'm interested in doing, I can say, yeah, I think I could do that or just straight out do it and I even think about it. And then next thing you know, at the end of it, you're like, oh, I just did that. And I'm really appreciative and proud of that. I'm proud of myself to doing something that I was nervous about and proud of doing. And that was a real step up in another direction because now I can look back and as John Bon Jovi says, I'm halfway there because as long as you have the confidence, you can do anything you want. But everyone else knew that already. In about as much of an advanced notice I can, as I can do, I'll say this. from In part one, I said a lot of stuff that I'll probably repeat here. So I apologize for that much. So just be on the lookout for me saying the same stuff often throughout this episode. You know, doing this podcast particularly, or I should say specifically, more like it, the last calendar year has been nothing short of an amazing journey, an exuberant amount of joy and happiness, and something I could never have expected in all honesty in my life. And I say that because of the guests that I've had on, the moments I've had with them that have shown their hospitality, not just on camera and on when it's recording, but also off camera and when we're not recording, that really takes the cake for me in a way that I can't even begin to express to them all or anyone out there, whether you're a viewer, a listener, or you've been someone on, it's hard to express. You know, 
saying all this stuff and saying this video, and I sort of caught some flack to a certain extent doing part one once or twice, is that I don't want to come off as egotistical because something of this nature means a lot to me, and I want to be as honest as you can. Unfortunately, honesty these days, whether it be in the press, in the sense of people asking real questions, or people just sucking up to the guests, or whatever it may be, or in life in general, off from the journalism world, is that I want to be truthful to you on say what it's been like through the negative moments and the happy moments, whether it gets me in trouble or not. And I say that because when I've experienced this, you know, it's it's tough for someone like myself who's not well known in the public, a celebrity or a comedian or an athlete, someone who could start a podcast and automatically they're already doing successful things, already have a lot of subscribers, views and likes and so forth, and they're already getting big guests on. So for someone like myself, you have to start off small. So it's a real, you know, kick in the gut in the sense of, okay, you got to accept where you are. You got to know what you're doing. You got to set your goals high. And hopefully you put in the work to then be able to get to those high goals and achieve them continuously and consecutively. And I also say this, what I mean by it's been the greatest thrill of my life. It, I mean this, when I have guests on like Carly Munoz and Michael Andres to have them on, to have them have watched some of the interviews that I've done before they've gone primarily to be, um, prepared and ready for what to expect, but also to continue to watch them be a fan and supporter of the podcast after our conversation on Zoom, that takes the cake in general. And another example being when you have guests like Jim Christian, David Leaf, Philip Bardwell, all people extremely successful in their fields in their various different fields, say how much of a superb job and commend me on my ability as a researcher and interviewer come time to our Zoom call. So it looks like I know what I'm actually talking about takes the cake as well because those people, you know, they, they don't have to do it. No one has to do it. Whether they're a former college athlete turned professional or former professional athlete, whether they're a coach, athlete, musician, journalist, weather person, whatever it may be, author, they don't have to come on to anyone's podcast, but they do it. And if you make it worth their while, it's going to be rewarding, not just for them to say, oh yeah, that was, you know, worth my time. It wasn't a waste. And then it makes it worth your while because you say, I put in the effort and now I'm getting the result that I should get. And it's, it's just something that, you know, you put in the effort, you put in the work, you're able to look back down from the top of Mount Everest or whatever mountain you want to choose or valley, whatever it may be. Look down, see all the trials and tribulations, the peaks and valleys you went through, the errors you came, mistakes and errors you made. But also you're able to see the accomplishments that you had, the milestones, the accolades and the accomplishments. And I'm repeating myself here and the good things people have said about it. You see that and that makes it worth it for you. They look back and say, wow, I made it through that. Oh, that was kind of fringe or that was kind of embarrassing. That was an odd, uncomfortable moment. But I was able to overcome that and get to this point. And it's it's been something that's been so rewarding that I'm so appreciative. And I'm, I've been looking forward to doing this um, recording part two of the two-year anniversary retrospect for weeks and, and weeks and weeks. And the people I've had on, which I'll go into further detail after this commercial break, have made it worth it, okay? And the names I just listed, Jim Christian, David Leaf, Philip Bardwell, Carly Munoz, Michael Andres, some of them, my favorite, more memorable episodes that I've done have told, given me the idea mindset that keep going, keep pushing forward. But before I get ahead of myself and go on with some of the other festivities, we'll take a quick break before we return with more information. What I'm trying to do in this version of the podcast, this special edition, is that I want to share my memories from the podcast. And I talked about, you know, memorable guests. In no way, shape, or form is this me saying, okay, guest number 34, which is as many as I'll have in this episode or I have in total, in the sense of memorable people. 
is that no way am I saying 34, okay, that one's worse than 20 and 20 is worse than one. It's in the situation of picturing picturing like this. It's like The Godfather. You watch The Godfather. Everyone remembers that in, intro scene where, uh, and I will say Michael Corleone, Don Corleone played by Marlon Brando is sitting with the cat in his office at his house on the day of his daughter's wedding. And the Paul Bearer is asking for some help with something on the day of Don Corleone's daughter's wedding. Everyone remembers the lines. Everyone remembers the scene, the intro music. Compared to maybe the scene where James Caan's character Sonny gets killed at the uh, at that bridge uh, toll booth, whatever you want to call it, trying to save his sister Connie's life from her abusive husband. People remember that first scene more than that one. That's sort of what it is. It's just saying there are some moments that you remember better than others or re- remember more fondly than others. But each guest, as I said, has a distinct quality of them that each other guest is not is not able to replicate. It's like DNA. No DNA strand is the same. And it's just, they've all been grateful. So all those out there who've been on the podcast and maybe tuning in and listening to this episode, whenever it may be, I hope none of you get offended and realize that the skill set, the achievements that you've had in life are not nearly able to be replicated by someone like myself, an everyday person. Although my dad likes to say the guests you've had on, those people are just everyday people like celebrities. So there's no difference. But there is because they have a skill set that's unmatched by anyone else. So I, I'm just so abnormally appreciative of the amount of time and patience you've taken to come on the podcast and make my life so great and so memorable as it's been the last two years to everyone. So without further ado, let us begin. To begin this countdown of the most memorable guests I've had on the podcast, we're going to be starting off at number 34 with Jeff Kent. And what I like about Jeff Kent and what makes him more memorable than anyone else that unfortunately didn't make the list is that a, he's a local guy in terms of being from Rhode Island, East Providence kid going to LaSalle Academy. He also attended the University of Rhode Island, played on the men's basketball team. I'm a big fan and supporter of the URI team. He was also, though, there at a time between the Sweet 16 run and when they were, the team was about to have the renaissance in the early 90s before they went on to the Elite Eight squad run in the late 90s. And uh, the main thing I learned from him is honesty. Uh, I try to look back on the guests I've had and find one skill set or a trait that they have that is something different than the others. And that's hard, and I probably won't be able to say it with every single one I've had, because that's difficult with 34 guests, and I don't want to keep you here all day till the cows come home, as my former JV tennis coach once said. But what I liked about Jeff mainly is his honesty. Sure, he was there for some good times, but also some not-so-successful times for the team. But he was honest, sharing his relationship with the program, how he got there, what his experience was like, what his relationship was like with the coaching, with the coaching staff, but specifically the head coach, Al Skinner and his life after college and playing overseas and many other more things. And I really appreciate that because I'm sure at first, I know at first it was really weird and uncomfortable to have some random kid messaging about something, especially at a time in his life that he doesn't really like to look back on fondly, I'm sure, especially during the the early 90s gambling scandal that came across Rhode Island College uh, Athletics, specifically at Bryant University and URI, specifically the football team. And I, I give him a lot of credit for coming on and talking about stuff. But I also could tell that at one point he let his guard down and realized, holy shit, this kid knows what the hell he's talking about, damn it. And whether it be me asking about specific games or points in the season, he could t- I could see a smile on his face saying, oh, yeah, this kid's done his work. Props to him. And after we, talk, after we talked on Zoom, he's been a supporter in terms of liking stuff on social media. And I really, really appreciate the time I've had to talk to someone like himself because – Unlike maybe uh, former players like Tommy Garrick, Silk Owens, Kenny Green, Morgan Cena, or Katina Mobley and Tyson Wheeler and Antonio Reynolds-Dean, Preston Murphy, 
he's a guy that only real true fans or historians of URI and URI athletics and specifically the men's basketball program would know. So to get someone like that, who was a supporting cast member to these other big time players like Abdul Fox and so forth, it was a real treat to me to talk to someone like himself and I wouldn't take anything of it for granted. So Jeff, if you're out there tuning in or listening or visually, whatever you want to say, I wish you nothing but the best in terms of your life going forward. And I thank you so much again for coming on the podcast a while back. Coming at number 33 is Kevin Sun. Now at the time of the recording we were doing for the interview, he had currently accepted, he had at the time accepted a job and was a coach, assistant coach, I should say, for the Florida Gulf Coast men's basketball program. Now, at the time of this recording, he is currently an assistant coach for the Kansas State men's basketball program as the director of strategies, whatever the hell that job entails or title entails. At the end of the day, it's just a title. And I really appreciate him, similar to um, Jeff Kent, A, because he was honest and open and forthright, but also he had experienced a, lot, a handful of years prior to FGCU as the assistant coach with David Cox for the URI men's basketball team during a few of their good years before things went sour. That being said, though, besides his time at URI as a coach and previously, his story was just great in, itself, in and of itself, as I'm trying to say. He said decade, a decades-long career as assistant coach, who was assistant coach on the USA, I think U16 or U17 national team. And he also gave a coaching exhibition slash lesson or clinic, whatever you want to call it, in Beijing, China for hundreds upon thousands of people. I think more like thousands worth. Point being, he's had a successful career on top of his living trophies experiment that he's not only brought to URI or FGCU or his other coaching places, as well as Kent State, but his way of trying to make sure that these athletes are getting the praise and respect and dignity that they're getting instead of the accolades that they get. Because sure, the accolades are important and special, but the athletes are the most important and special thing at the end of the day. I really loved him sharing his journey on how he's got to each stop he's been at and the success and what's been like for him from his perspective. So I say to Kevin, if you're listening, Coach Sun, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I wish you nothing but the best in life, not just health-wise, but financially and professionally on and off the court of basketball. Following Kevin at number 32, and I guess another example of URI athletics to a certain extent is current URI athletic director, head athletic director, Thor Bjorn. And what I like about Thor, and although a lot of the guests I've had on have been memorable in the sense that they're forthright and honest and truthful to the best of their ability and knowledge, they don't get in trouble professionally, is that he is one of the nicest, most kindest guys you will ever meet or people in general you'll meet in your life. And, I, and I'll say this example. After, after a call, no, no, I'll, I'll say it this way. Before our call going, usually when you have to talk to people in the athletic field at the college level, you've got to talk to sports information directors. And unfortunately, those around me in that field and in that position tend to not want to help those who may not be as high up as those may make those may see them as. And I don't, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get in trouble and flack from those close and far from me. But with him, I emailed him directly. He jumped the opportunity rather quickly, and we did it. And it was successful. And it was great. We shared laughs. I loved hearing a story going from a college football player, a pretty good college football player at UMass, and then working there in the athletic department that now coming to URI within the last nearly 20 years or so. And what I, I'll say this also, though, about his the quality of human that he is, is that after our interview, and I put it up there, I ran into him, I think, last year at some point. After, yeah, like I said, after our interview. And although we had our masks on at the Ryan Center for a men's basketball game, he knew who he was. We made out contact. He realized there was Nolan Carr, the guy who did the amazing interview with him. We fist bumped because it was COVID, of course, and we chatted for a few seconds, and that was it because I was going to the thing, the uh, snack shack or whatever you want to call it, um, 
concession stand. Yeah, I was going to the concession stand. He was going one way, and that meant a lot because people don't have to do that. And I really appreciate that. And I think he's doing a really great job at UR, regardless of everyone thinks that or not, or the majority of people think that. And I'm really happy for him to be at the head of the UR athletics department. And Thor, hopefully we'll see each other again. If you're tuning in, hopefully we'll see each other at a game soon. And wish you nothing but the best, not just with your family, but on, on and off the field slash court slash diamond in whatever athletic event it is for you in your life. Before we hit the even number 30, at 31, we have Uri, current associate head coach, newly promoted associate head coach for the women's basketball program, which is continuously on the rise the last few years, is Megan Shoniker. Now, though we have to play a little tag and waiting in terms of getting the interview going, what a great person, again, I, I had on for the podcast. And I, I'll say this. The reason why I say that, because when she was an athlete at Uri, so another Uri person, crazy how that works, right? When she was at Uri as an athlete, and she admitted this, um, verbally and literally that the team wasn't as successful as it probably should have been with it. Maybe the talent they had there. And I'm sure that's something that, you know, it's hard to swallow. Fortunately for her though, she's been able to come back after years after graduation to be an assistant coach on the pro for the program with their new coach and help take the program to a high stressor with so much success. They made the NIT tournament last year. They almost made the NCAA tournament. Maybe they'll make it this year. Point being, she's been there for now this new level of success and a new level of having a sense of, okay, this is worth it. You know, I'm now, you know, being fulfilled in the sense of being here at this program. You know, although I'm sure she was gratifying and gratified for her time at URI when she was a student. Point being, though, one of the nicest people ever. So appreciative. Of, of course, apologize for our delayed interview, but she's busy, you know, with recruiting after the season ended in March and so forth. And I just enjoyed talking to her. And I wish I only took her up on her offer of, getting me tickets for some of the women's games. Maybe I'll see them in the new year when the time comes. So Megan, if you're tuning in, I thank you so much for being who you are, being genuine and down to earth and being authentic. And I wish you nothing but the best both on and off the court in your life. As I said, coming in at number 30, we have a dear friend of the podcast, Stephen Clinch, probably one of the first dear friends of the show. And what I, what I say by that is that this man, even though he had a, direct and big time impact in the Beach Boys world with the album Friends and working with Brian Wilson and so on and so forth, Mary Wilson, P.F. Sloan, or Nancy Wilson and P.F. Sloan and so on and so forth with the other long list of people he's worked with, Strawberry Alarm Clock, and the list goes on and on and on. Point being, he's such a great person, and although at first probably was a little confused on this random person like everyone else is, uh, messaging him for an interview, we did it, it was great, I did the best job I could, he was a little off camera sometimes, but that was fine. Anyways, I really appreciate it because it gave a different perspective on life. You have all these different people that I've been able to have on, and then you're able to have someone on like Steven who, even though it, just because he's a poet and a lyricist and an artist doesn't mean you know he has to fully live that lifestyle, but to get his perspective on life, a more calming, reserved, soft-spoken aspect on life, and just sit here and listen to it, let it fall and crash on you like a wave at a nice crystal blue beach somewhere in Southern California or in the tropical area of the world. It was such a great thing. And to keep in contact with him after our interview and for him to be so appreciative and warm to me and thankful and give me all these kind of words about the job I did and to have shared other links of his, of interviews he's done and projects he's been a part of. I mean, nothing beats that. He's such a great person. And I'm so glad to be any sort of connected to him in life in general. So Steven, my dear pal, Mr. Stevie, Mr. Stevie K, I, I thank you so much for being such a great person, a great friend to me, even though we've known each other for a short time. 
And I'm so looking forward to hopefully meeting you one day in person in sunny California, the Golden State. And I wish you nothing but the best in your life, both professionally and personally as well. Coming at number 29, we have another big supporter of the podcast, another great, genuine person, as genuine as it, genuine as it comes. It's Anthony McCurry, the young, the legendary, classic Anthony McCurry. And I say that because a, a really great person, and not just from my perspective, as someone who tunes in to the news and NBC, NBC 10, we, our family watches that religiously to a certain extent. But as I said, not only is my family a friend of uh, a fan of him, but also the station is a fan of him. And that's another thing. When you're like by probably 99 or 100% of the staff you work with, you never know. Some people may not like him. I don't know. Point being, when you're liked by practically everyone you work with and those who tune in, you bring a nice environment to people to watch the news because the news can be scary, whether it's entertainment or weather or regular news or sports. If you can bring that vibe to it, that's all that matters in life. You're going to have people hooked. And I say that because although he's a young guy and he's somewhat new to the, to the scene, especially here in southern New England, you know, he certainly didn't have to come on the podcast and share his stories about you know, loving weather, growing up as a fan of weather, going to school for it in Vermont. And, you know, he's a Rhode Island guy. So, of course, yeah, Rhode Island guy. So that's another great thing. And I so appreciate him coming on, not to mention the love and appreciation and respect he's given to the podcast after his time on the show. And he's helped me in a few ways more than more than one can say. And I, I appreciate him so much. So, Anthony, if you're tuning in, my friend, thank you so much for being who you are. And I just wish you nothing but the best in 2023. At 28, we at number 28, I should say, we have our first international guest, and although he's been here in the U.S. since he was 18, we have Michael Anderson, another URI men's basketball legend. And I say that because he also was someone who was there for some pretty positive moments, more than Jeff, in the sense of he was there during the Elite Eight run and the playoff run that they had in 99 that made the first round against UNC at URI. And what another great guy who was honest, didn't leave any stone unturned, was completely forthright and to the point and a really great person and I'm thankful for his hospitality and patience. And I say it patience a lot and I continue to say that because I often stutter my words. I've recorded this a gajillion, bajillion times, but of course I mess up. I say a word I shouldn't. I say a word that I meant to say something else or I combine two words when I'm not trying to be. And it, it's just, it gets frustrating sometimes. I'm really trying right, right. See, I just did right then. I'm trying really hard to focus when talking on the podcast. And sometimes I jumble up on my words or questions and I, can get cringed out and uncomfortable by it. Just did it then. I can get uncomfortable and cringed by it. And for the guests to be patient with me, whether I take a bathroom break like I did during Michael's interview because I got nervous, or whatever it may be, or sending it to the wrong email, whatever the case is, I really he's such a great guy, Michael Anderson. And Michael, if you're tuning in, thank you so much for coming on the show, being truthful to who you are, being supportive of the podcast, having your whole family practically follow me. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting you one day, maybe when they have the um, Ring of Honor ceremony in March, I believe, or February against UMass, I believe it is. And I see you then, hopefully we can chat. And I wish you nothing but the best in life, not just basketball or with your family or professionally, but in life in general itself. Tell me at this next spot, 27, you know, sometimes in life, be able to talk to some really great people, some legendary people. And when you grow up in Rhode Island, there are, th- there are the three main stations for news. There is Fox 12, ABC 6, and NBC 10. And if you grow up in my household, as I said, NBC 10 is the station of choice. And to have someone like Frank Carpano come in at number 27 and on the podcast, 
it was a big thrill and privilege to me because I have grown up watching him. My father has and mother have grown up watching him. And my par- grandparents know who he is. So to have had the time to talk to him, for him to email me back relatively quickly, I'm not saying that as, in an asshole, arrogant, cocky way, but I emailed him one one day in the afternoon. That a few hours later, I was going to Applebee's with my dad. I checked my phone. And I saw oh, he emailed saying he wants to do it. And, you know, I was nervous to tell you the truth because he was somebody who has been everywhere, has done it. Everything has covered practically every story you could think of. And to have him on was a big deal for me, regardless of the traction, statistically speaking, I got on the episode. And there was one moment where I asked a question about authenticity when reporting the news that it got a little nerve wracking with and a little, you know, cringe on my part and embarrassing to a certain extent. But I ended up cutting that point being he was kind, considerate, um, patient with me. And he offered, which is one thing that speaks to the quality of people that occasionally is present nowadays is that he said, if you need anything, let me know. I can try to help you as best I can. And I really appreciate that. So to Frank, even though you do the PA for a PC and I'm from URI, I thank you so much for being so hospitable and so awesome that you are. And I look forward to seeing you in person one day again, maybe talking to you on the podcast again. And I hope that your 2023 is as prosperous and help, healthy and uh, successful and as great as it could be as 2022 was with your family and yourself. Following suit, and hopefully not as embarrassingly going against my words as I did or falling apart when I'm speaking, coming at the point four position, another person I've watched and looked up to since I was eight years old from MC10 and in the news world is Dan Jennings. And in similar fashion to the others who have worked for MC10, Dan was another person who said, yep, I can definitely do it. There's going to be a time and I can do this between the broadcasts I'm working. And as I just said, speaking of broadcasts, he is the main guy there, one of the main guys at night. That being said, he's there for the 4 o'clock, the 4.30, the 6, 6.30, and 11, or 10, whatever it may be. He's there for everyone in the evening from 4 o'clock on. That being said, his time is very valuable. So for him to take the time between broadcasts, although it was a few hours worth of time in between, to do that and to chat and to be honest and be truthful to the questions I asked, hopefully good questions, meant a lot. And for him, and the difference between him and Frank or maybe others I've had on that I mentioned that have commented on my ability for him, someone in the news industry who's been an award-winning journalist and has done all this stuff and is one of the main guys in Rhode Island media for him to comment on my ability as a interviewer. That was a real powerful moment of inspiration that told me I, if, if Dan Jennings, of all people says I can do it, then I can do it. And he was so great to share laughs with him, not just ask him course and be straight with him. It was another special thing. And, Dan, if you're out there tuning in, you know, thanks for being so nice and helpful in anything I ask for. I although I'm not trying to be someone who begs consistently or constantly, but I thank you so much for being so friendly and outgoing and personable with me. You're the best. I love you, buddy. And I hope to see you in person one day. And wish you nothing but the best in 2023, not just for yourself, but your family, as well as on and off the camera. Speaking of sports positions and lingos, coming in at, at number 25, uh, a good number being number 25, is another UR legend, Ibn Bakari. Man, what a trip this was in terms of an interview for me. I emailed, I emailed his company thinking I was going to have to talk to some PR person or a middle person. It ended up being him. And he was so happy for me to reach out to talk about growing up in Detroit and playing for basketball at URI and his relationship with basketball and Al Skinner and then Lights and Science International. Like I asked, that's why I said, I said, I was wondering if you could talk about this stuff. And he said that exact same thing back. And although we had some technical issues, not necessarily on mine, but more of his and in terms of microphone or hearing stuff, 
it was so great and it was so rewarding and to have seen him in person because I haven't seen a whole lot of my interview guests besides Scott Totten, Bobby Figueroa, maybe a few others in person I've been able to talk to, Thor Bjorn. So it, it's been a real treat for me. And it was a real treat for me to talk to someone like himself. And I say this because although he might not have been someone like a Tyson Wheeler, Katino Mobley, Tony Reynolds, Dean, Kyle Ivey Jones, all these people who had a big, bigger impact, in terms of statistically speaking, for the team during the years that they were there, he was so proud and accomplished and still is an appreciative of the role that he played in URI men's basketball history. And to speak to someone like that, it takes the cake. And to have seen him then in person and chat for a few minutes, shake hands, that was even better. And he was more than kind and generous to me and helping me out with stuff and having patience and taking his time and not letting me take my time with asking questions that I want to ask him. He's the best. And hopefully he knows that. So even if you're out there tuning in because you're have been a big supporter post our conversation on social media, especially, thank you so much for being who you are and being such a quality person. I thank you so much for, for, as I said, who you are. And I wish you nothing but the best, not just with life and science international, but in life as well for you in 2023. Coming in at number 24 is a character of itself, one of the most wildest, craziest, funny, heartwarming, down-to-earth people I've ever known. At number 24, we have a dear family friend, a great person, a great artist, Brendan Murphy. As I said, you know, family friend, I've been fortunate enough, my, or I should say my, me, myself, individually or specifically, or just myself, I should say, but my family in general has been has taken great pride and privilege in being able to know this man, Brendan Murphy, from his humble beginnings as a real abstra, abstract raw artist to then being as successful as today with his Boongie project and building sculptures and working with Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, Nadal, all these big time players, not just in tennis, but outside and other sports as well and in life in general. And he's such a character because he doesn't give a shit what you think about him. He's got all the confidence in the world. He can accomplish anything he puts his mind to. And even though we had to race, I had to race around trying to land this interview and schedule it and confirm it and do it. I, it was a great thrill and to be honest with them and be truthful to have him be as straight as possible in the sense of serious and on the money for the time we had together now or whatever it was, that was a real treat too. Cause it's similar to Robert Williams that when you get someone like that, who's so out there and so energetic and so crazy, but the best of people to get them when they're honest and truthful and calm, it, it's a magnificent sighting. It's a moment you sit back and just let it all up and regardless if you're facilitating in the moment or not, so I say to you, my dear friend, my brother, Big Rudy from Little Rudy, I, I thank you so, so much for the type of person you are, how respectful, kind, and courteous you've been not only to myself, but to my family as well, as big of a supporter you are. Thank you for providing the soul fire outfits that I still wear proudly in support to this day. I wish you nothing but success, not just with yourself personally, but with your family and in and out of business and art in general. With, 10, with about 10 down at number 23, we have another great person, John Stebbins, who joins the list all the way from Southern California. And similar to Mark Lynette, who I'll mention later down the road, John Stebbins is someone who, although he's been he's experienced and been part of a lot of musical big-time moments, has written stuff on it, articles in magazines, newspapers, maybe not newspapers, but magazines. He's been part of TV productions, movies. He's been part of, he's written books, I should say, about musicians, specifically Dennis Wilson, David Marks, which I am very appreciative because Dennis Wilson is my favorite musician ever, although he's long deceased now for the last nearly 40 years. Point being, he said a lot, he set his finger on the pulse of a lot of musical moments, not just um, written wise, but in public as well. And he was another guy who 
accepted the opportunity to do the interview and to have had such a fun time talking to him, not just about Dennis Wilson and his experiences with David Marks, but the Beach Boys and other things in life. It, it, it's been a real, it was a real, I should say it has been, because it's not like I'm continuously doing an interview with him each week or each day. But it, it's been a great thrill to not just remember that interview that I love doing so much, but to talk with him, but also for him to really be appreciative of the quality of performance I did another moment of me not trying to be cocky or an arrogant asshole but for him to be appreciative of the job and effort I put into researching and asking questions because as he said I'm paraphrasing I've done a lot of interviews where it's sort of like mm, you did a pretty good job so that was great and that you know means a lot for me and I'm really happy and appreciative of that moment because anybody like himself or Brandon Murphy who's been everywhere and done everything talk to them for whatever amount of time it is. It's a real privilege and pleasure for me. So John, if you're out there, whether it's in the music world or off stage or not writing a book or an article, whatever it may be, I thank you so much for the type of person you are and the high quality of standard you keep yourself to and your appreciation and pleasure and the ability of a job I do as an interviewer. It means a whole lot. And I wish you nothing but the most success, health and happiness in the new year of 2023 to come. From John, we had another high point in terms of podcasting experience being Gary Griffin coming out at even 22. What I love about Gary is that not only is he part, has he been part for the last nearly 40 years of one of my favorite groups of all time being the Beach Boys and most recently the last six or seven years for the Brian Wilson band consistently, is uh, he's such an easygoing, mellow guy. He's like one of those uh, sheepdogs. And no offense to Gary if you get offended by that. By that, I mean, like, there's nothing that seems like it bothers him. He's an, like I said, he's an easygoing guy, super welcoming, warm, and personable. And I just like that. And even though he joined the Beach Boys, they're a tough year being the um, MIU album. And now he's been with Brian Wilson the last six or seven years, as I said. He is appreciative of everything. And I, um, I'm jealous of his talent as a musician. And I just, uh, I can't really express my gratitude for having me on the podcast. It was another example of a random kid messaging someone as it's is with any other situation like this him wanting to do it and he enjoyed it and like anyone else your guard is let down as you realize oh yeah there's no car guy he knows what the hell he's freaking talking about on the podcast part of my language and to have then been able to on top of that you think that's good enough or just to talk with him to then be friendly with them after the i almost said off stage after the podcast and after the interview and to go back and forth texting with him and for him to wish me happy birthday and congrats on graduating and then almost talking with him and hanging out with him backstage at the Brian Wilson concert I saw with my dad this past summer. He is such a great person and I'm so glad to be connected to some degree with him and have him in my life or vice versa to any degree to any degree of separation. It's been such a great treat. And Gary, I hope to see you in public one day, in person one day, I should say. Hopefully Brian Wilson is not done touring yet. We I'm able to see you guys on tour soon and get backstage with you. I wish you nothing but the best as well as your family in 2023 and hope it's filled with happiness and success and gratitude. Now, if that wasn't epic enough, and it's me flubbing and stuttering and crapping up on my words near the end of that uh, discussion point of memorable guest being Gary Griffin, wait till I tell you who's at number 21 being my dear friends of the Beach Boy, Beach Boys Talk podcast, the host Matt and Greg Coffee, both brothers, and man, oh man, that was that was one of my favorite episodes in the sense that, and uh, practically every other one I've done, although some of them are more mellow than others, this one, it was, although I asked questions about their podcast and that sort of stuff, it was more of a conversation between two people, let's say, sitting at a bar, just talking and chewing the fat and 
shooting the shit about the Beach Boys music we love and what albums we like, the songs and all that stuff and controversial takes and all that stuff. And it was such a great time and whether I stumbled or flipped up on my words or we had to take a lot of time to figure out a date, whatever it may be, it, it was such a great thing. And I'm so appreciative, not just of them coming on my podcast and being such supporters of it. And anytime they get on their show to talk about my podcast and saying to tune in whenever I comment or I leave a reply on one of their live videos. But for them to even have a, a podcast about the Beach Boys, because there are a lot of shows, whether live or not, there are a lot of Beach Boys shows out there, podcasts, programs, whatever it may be. Not the times I find myself skipping through, not just those, but podcasts in general. But to have one like they do and run it so perfectly as they do, and for me to sit through it entirely and enjoy every minute of it and get a different perspectives of different periods and albums and songs and musicians on there and different guests they've had on, it's such a great thing, and it's such something I'm looking forward to, or I look forward to every Tuesday when it happens. I'm looking forward to it when it returns in the new year. And there's such there's such great people, and they're such they're doing something that's such great quality and such a good thing to do in life. And I'm looking forward to hopefully having them on again one day soon, maybe meeting them. So, Matt and Greg, I thank you for not only your hospitality and your kindness and consideration and fandom of my show what i'm trying to do but also your ability as genuine people to people like myself out there who are fellow fans of the beach boys and i wish you nothing but the best not only in your lives and on and off the screen for your podcast as well rebounding off of them coming out at an even number 20 is sean colson and similar to the other uri legends i've had on although he only spent uh, a short amount of time at uri what i really liked about him not only is his, is his honesty, but his approach to life in basketball. He knows his he knows his worth. He knows that his quality of basketball playing is better than a lot of other people. And to hear a story from you know struggling early on in life, not really caring about school and basketball, and then suddenly being the one of the top athletes in the country, to then succeeding for over a decade overseas, having brand endorsement deals with soda cans and so forth, and then hearing about his success as a basketball trainer slash coach across the country. You know, he, he's most famously known for training DeAndre Hunter, I think, of the Atlanta Hawks last time I checked. It, it, it was such a treat and a privilege to talk to someone like himself because hearing different stories, not just success on the court they had as a player, but outside of life and succeeding in another realm and not relieving, living just in the past consi consistently, it, it's such a treat. So, Sean, if you're tuning in, I thank you so much for the, the type of person you are, for sharing your insight, how you, how you have succeeded in life, not just in one way, but in multiple ways. And I look forward to seeing hopefully one day in public soon. Coming in at number 19 is a dear friend of mine, Phil Schnell, who I kept calling John during the podcast and when I've texted him and so forth on Facebook or via phone number, via phone number, so not via phone number. Phil is another good example of someone like Ibn or Jeff or Michael, who's a rarity in the sense of his time within the band I love the most, the Beach Boys, although it was brief, he's got a large successful history like Michael Andreas outside pre-Beach Boys and post-Beach Boys as well. And film scoring and production, all this other stuff. He's such a great man. And to have talked with him, and although I suffered an insurmountable amount of embarrassment when he tried to make a joke about Royal Albert Hall from the Beatles song, Day in the Life, I believe that's what it was. It, he was such a great person, such a cool cat, to tell the truth, I sound like I'm from the 50s. But he was such an easygoing person, and he, he wanted to do it, and he's appreciative. And it's so great to still be connected with him in life to any sort of degree. To hear his stories and his success outside, I mean, in the music world, 
on top of being part of the America's band, the greatest group ever, the Beach Boys. I am so thankful for it. And Phil, if you're tuning in, viewing this, listening to this, what it might be, thank you so much for the type of person you are and the quality standard you hold yourself to, as well as being welcoming and warm to myself. I wish you nothing but the best in life going forward on and off the stage of music. And hopefully, as I've said with others, I truly hope I see you in life one day in person in California. So, you know, I, being that this is a memorable moment section of the podcast where I'm talking about guests who really stuck out, and there are occasions in life, and although this may be surprising how, you know, far up in the list this is, or early in the list this is, but occasionally you get to be part of moments that really make you enjoy what you're doing. And I've said this before for a few guests, but this was another example as coming in at number 18 is one of my favorite people ever in the world. One of my favorite guests is Rosie Langello. Not only because she came on once, but she was kind and considerate welcoming enough and thrilled enough to come on for a second time, even if she came in just after finishing a workout and recently moving down South Alabama from the Rhode Island area or uh, Southern New England area. And I originally knew her of, uh, from being on uh, WPRI 12 as a sports reporter, and then she moved down to Alabama for one of the stations as the new sports director. And what I like about her is that not only is she an honest person, but she's someone who is passionate about what she does, as hopefully everyone is in life regardless of the field, but also someone that is so easygoing, someone who's not overtly cocky or arrogant or uh, selfish with anything in life. Although, yeah, you want to know your own worth, but she is a, a great person. It's such a pleasure to have her in my life and to have that my mother enjoy her as well. It's such a great treat, and she's such a nice person that makes you feel comfortable, and there's not a moment of ever feeling nervous during it. And I look back finally laughing even now when we first did the Zoom call where she asked if it was, you know, what it was, if it was visual or if she needed makeup, whatever it was. And I just laugh at what we were going through then. And I, I, Rosie, if you're tuning in, you know, you're the best, my friend. I thank you so, so much. I wish you nothing but the best, not just in Alabama as the sports director, but off the state, off the television screen and camera as well and in life. As we travel back up north and hit the halfway mark at number 17, we have the man himself, Morgan Cena. And to be honest, not to sound like I'm repeating myself, but this was another moment of rarity achievement for me. And I say that because he's another member, although he was a big star for the 88 Sweet 16 run for the Uriah Men's Basketball Program with Tommy Garrick and Silk Owens and Kenny Green and Fonzie Colson and so forth and many others like himself, he wasn't the main star. But for him to share his story and to say, okay, yeah, I wasn't the main person, but I was able to help contribute a whole heck of a lot, even if my statistics weren't the same as Garrick's and Owen's, he was the best. To share his story, for him to share a story from high school, growing up playing basketball, to then going to Seat Hall, not really being successful there at P.J. Carlismo, to then going to URI with Tom Penders, and to hear his story, and then Al Skinner. It's such the, it's such, it's so great. I'm trying to think of what to say. I'm speechless, to tell you the truth. And to share his story as a coach now for this uh, Cena Skills Basketball Academy and to tell his story of how he's like an old school coach of his approach similar to Al Skinner, or not Al Skinner, but Tom Penders, is, is such a great, great thrill. And I loved every minute of it. And for him to call him back instantly after I emailed him or as soon as he could, to wa willingly want to do it, it's a great thing. So, Mr. Mergen Cena, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you come the Ring of Honor ceremony at the UMass game come February next uh, in a few months. And I'm looking forward to talking to you in person one day. So thanks again for everything you've done for me on the podcast, regardless of how long we've known each other. You're the best, my friend. As we go from the Northwest 
all the way out back west, or the northeast, all the way back out to the west. Coming in at number 16 is a dear pal of the show, a great person, a genuine person, a cool cat again, as I'm saying stuff from the 50s, it, like Milton Burrell or um, any of those other character comedians from those days. And I, I say Mark Lynette's a good friend because he's such a great person. And similar to John, he's such he's got such a historic element to himself. He's done everything. He's worked with the estate of Jimi Hendrix. He's worked with Frank Zappa. He's done. He's worked with so many other artists, not just Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys on their archival release, and some of Brian's solo work with Alan Boyd. But he he's such a wonderful person that I'm so appreciative of having in my life, regardless of the magnitude of that um, spot in my life. And Although he's this high in the list, only because at the time of writing this, we'd only interviewed once, and it wasn't my best performance to a certain extent. Although it did great statistically, it's my highest viewed episode ever of the podcast. Now, looking back on it, I thought it was only duly right to have him at this spot because the second time we talked, it was so much more calm. We both knew what to expect. His guard hat wasn't at the top or filled to the brim and jaded, not knowing who I was, what, what to expect with my podcast. And we shared some laughs, some good times, and I'm so appreciative to hear his insight, not just on what it's like working with Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and Alan Boyd on some of these archival releases box, slash box sets as well. And it's like talking to one of your older relatives, not to you know say how old he is, but to talk to an older relative of yours who's experienced a lot and just hear stories and sit back and just be in, a, in an amazement because he's got so many things to share, not just Beach Boys related, but outside the Beach Boys world as well. And Mark, if you're tuning in, my dear friend, you know, you're the best, buddy. I appreciate you so much. You're such a great person to talk to, and hopefully one day I can make it out west to California, the Golden State, sunny L.A., and chat with you over a nice cold beverage somewhere. After a quick trip out west, we come back to the northeast to the New England area of Connecticut, the Constitution State. Last time I recorded this, I almost said Garden State, or no, I did say Garden State, but as we make a trip to the Constitution State over at the Rhode Island border, or I should say, what point being, as we go to Connecticut, coming in next at number 15 is the legend himself, the Kenny Green. Man, how do I express, describe this interview? Not only does this man have a lot of deserved confidence, an abundance of confidence, but he's an honest and truthful man that he's not someone who's afraid to mince words similar to Jeff Kent. And I really appreciate that because I think honesty these days is a lost cause with people. We're too afraid of what people are going to say or think about stuff. We're not just our truthful stuff because everyone thinks they have to have an ego in life. And that's certainly not what Kenny Green has, whether it be as a successful college player overseas or now as a new um, successful coach for this program in Connecticut, I think, or Massachusetts for this boys basketball team for a prep school, I believe. Anyways, He's such a great person to hear his stories and take on his years at URI as a player. And then now what it's been like after he graduated and his response to if he had to play a five on five game with his guys from the sweet 16 team against the lead eight team who would win. That made me chuckle and laugh. And he's someone who's done a lot of, cause he, he's, he's a busy man. And he's a man, as I was just about to say before I stopped talking about that moment, he's a man who's done a lot of podcasts about his time at URI. So he doesn't have to do that. And he could be bored and I interested somewhere to Silk Owens because he doesn't seem to respond back. Anyways, no, I'm sorry, Silk. Anyways, he's a man who I, I messaged him. I called him. I said, hey, you want to do this? Sure. And it was so great. And he was so appreciative. And I loved it. And Kenny, I'm looking forward so much to seeing you at the hopefully Ring of Honor ceremony. We can talk and chat over a nice beer at the URI game that day against UMass. I wish you nothing but the best, the happiest, healthiest, and successful 2023 New Year.
Coming in at number 14, all the way in the Chicago, uh, the Chicago city, the windy city of Chicago, we have Paul Von Mertens. And although, and although at first we played telephone tag when trying to set this up, we eventually got it going. And it was such a great time to, because to talk to anybody in the Beach Boys world, whether it be for Brian's group and specifically or Mike's group or in general who played when it was the actual Beach Boys years ago, to talk to someone from that world, regardless of what role they play in the music and in the world, is a pleasure and an honor and an opportunity I can never, ever repair, nor even begin to express what it's been like. It's an experience that is on indescribable, I should say, not undescribable, indescribable. I say that because Paul's been one of the handful of members of Brian's band, because there's been some who've been in and out or they've been rotated in or joined later, who have been there since the beginning with Paul, uh, with Proben Gregory, Nick, rest in peace to Nikki Wonder, Darren Sahanaja. Mike D'Amico a little bit. Then at one point it was Scott Bennett and Nelson Bragg to an extent. Taylor Mills a little bit. Jeff Foskett a little bit. Point being, Paul's one of the few that, that I have mentioned or has been there since the very beginning. So to get his opinion and viewpoint on what it's like to be with Brian Wilson, not just offstage, but with him musically on stage as well, is a treasure trove in itself. But the thing is also, he's been very he's been successful as well, not just with Brian Wilson, but outside of the Brian Wilson Beach Boys world as well. And to hear him share his stories and his life experiences, as it has been with every guest, it's a feeling and a privilege that I'm shell-shocked, but also flabbergasted to ever think I've been able to ever achieve. So to you, my dear friend, Mr. PVM, Paul Vaughn Mertens, thank you so much for the type of person you are, for the music you felt continue to bring on into the many, many years to come since it first was created by the Beach Boy members. Thank you so much for who you are, representing what authenticity is, but also confidence in a cool, calm, collective way. And hopefully we should see each other in person soon at another show, because I have a feeling Brian's not done touring anytime soon, my dear friend. So best of luck to you in 2023, and I hope you have nothing but the best, brightest, healthiest, and successful years yet. As we continue down the list and get closer to the final 10, the final stretch here, most memorable guest for the second anniversary part two of the Nolan Cron Night Show podcast, second anniversary, I should say. I feel like as though I'm California dreaming as David Lee comes in at number lucky 13. And although we had audio difficulties with his microphone about a third of the way into it, I'm very appreciative because like Paul, he's had a very big impact on Brian's life. He's been friends first and foremost with Brian since the mid to late seventies. And that was his goal. And that's what I really appreciate about David is because most people in life, they're always looking for someone to latch onto that's successful. So they can gain some sort of fame or economic um, justice from them. And David said that not only in his book, but he said that time, time again, that the only reason why he wanted to be with Brian is not only to be his friend, but help bring back his confidence, save him, but also bring smile to the forefront of music. Now, granted, he has, you know, gained, of course, economically from him being his book, but it's not like he's purposely doing it for that reason. But like Paul and like others, I mentioned Phil Chanel and so forth, he has had so much success outside the world. He's worked on documentaries and worked with people such as Yoko Ono for a documentary on John Lennon, something for James Brown, uh, Jonathan Winters, the Marx Brothers, so many other countless stars, Bob Hope, I believe. He, he's so much. You got to check out his website, David Leaf Productions, I believe, or leafproductions.com. And to have gotten him on here, primarily to talk about his book, of course, and his life in general, it was such a great treat, and he's such a great person. And for him, as I mentioned in the intro, for or at one point during the, before the, one of the breaks, for him to say, "Oh my gosh, I love, I, I love being on here. This is so great." Early on in the interview, and then to him to say outside how much of a great job I did, and then say that on Facebook when he's promoting the episode as well, 
I mean, that's the moment you say, how the hell did I get here? What the shit did I do to deserve to be here? Because when you have someone like David Leaf, who is such highly respected in the field of not just music, but entertainment and film production and music as well in California way of life, you know, nothing's better than that. that takes the cake, as they say. And I'm so appreciative of the friendship we've sort of, the small friendship we've been able to forge through the podcast. And I look forward to having you on again. So David, my dear friend, Mr. Leaf, Thank you so much for being who you are, for being truthful, honest, authentic, and helping make sure Brian's life and work stays on forever and ever long after we're dead. And I hope you have nothing but the best and most healthiest, happiest, and successful life in 2023 on and off the silver screen and away from music and with music. As I just said, as we get closer to the final stretch of guests, the final 10, coming at number 12 is my lifesaver friend, no pun intended, Philip Bartwell. I say lifesaver of a friend because he's a part-time nurse in the Southern California area and saving people's lives starting during the pandemic. And I, I, I say he's at this position. I put this at the position because he's such a great person and similar to others where it's sort of like a phone tag, email tag type of thing, setting it up. I was so great to have him on because I, I really wanted him on truthfully because he was in the Beach Boys at a very crucial time being during Carl Wilson's end of life time with the Beach Boys and music as well, but also then a few years after that, before he left and to have a successful solo career. And it was such a great perspective to hear about and hear from and what it was like to play with the group at that point, but also life in general and have a relationship with Janet Dean and so forth and so on. And anytime I get to talk to people, as I said, during Paul's thing, to talk to people in the Beach Boys world, regardless of the time in the group or out of the group, it's a real pleasure because I love the music and I love the group and I love the members and I'm a big history buff for them. And he's such a great, warm, welcoming guy. I never was nervous, never nervous at all. He was very appreciative. And it was right after I saw my dear pal, Mr. Brian Douglas Wilson on tour with Chicago. And he's so great. Even when though he was with the Beach Boys and Brian wasn't with him, he was so appreciative and accepting and thankful for Brian when he's done along with the other members of the group that weren't playing with Mike. And I can't thank him enough. He was such a great guy. He was so complimentary of my ability as a musician. And that I'm a musician, never. Um, uh, ability as an interviewer, my research skills. It was so great and so funny. He's been so supportive after since. And I say to you, Mr. Phil Bardwell, thank you for being who you are, for providing what you do to the world, not just with music, but in health science and saving the people of the world as well in Southern California specifically. You're the best, but I hopefully, I hope, I should say, I should say, hopefully, I hope, that we see each other soon in the near future and person can share a nice drink somewhere. Thank you. And I wish you nothing but the best and healthiest 2023. Coming in at number 11 by his home state being the peach date is the one and only none other than Antonio Reynolds Dean. And as I mentioned with others that I've had on, which has been difficult getting him, this was probably one of the more difficult interviews I've ever gotten. I say that because when I first tried reaching out to him, of course, you have to go through SID, Sports Information Directors, because if you don't, and they scoff at you and they don't like you and you get blacklisted like I probably have been. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry. Anyways, it was hard to get to him because he was still at Clemson for the men's basketball team as an assistant coach. And I reached out to the SID twice, didn't hear anything. The final time he said, I'll reach out and ask him. And it being what was the case that he was already leaving to go to UGA, the University of Georgia uh, men's basketball program as the newly ass associate head coach for the Bulldogs men's team. Oh, oh, oh. And then we finally, I emailed them and finally got something going after a few emails with them. And it was so great. I accidentally ran a little too long, close to his practice time for the summer sessions. 
point being, he was so great. Uh, another cool, cool, cool guy to tell you the truth. Cool as the other side of your pillow, as they say. Woohoo! That was a bad Ric Flair move. Anyways, that's a wonderful person. I loved hearing stories as one of the main cornerstones of the night of uh, the 1998 Elite Eight basketball run with not Al Skinner, but um with Jim Herrick and is the guy I, I can't even express what that was like. He's one that probably one of the top and one of the greatest athletes in URI history, especially for the men's basketball team. And it was great hearing a story not just through college athletics, but playing overseas, as well as now become a very successful coach and inching one step lower, lower, closer to being a head coach somewhere. And I look forward to hopefully seeing him at the induction ceremony or the Ring of Honor ceremony come February when they play UMass. And say to you, Antonio, if you're tuning in when you're not busy coaching, I thank you so much for your hospitality and what you are as a person, not just as a coach or a former player at URI that we share in common as our alma mater. And I look forward to seeing you in person one day. And I wish you nothing but the best for you and your family in the new year to have as much success, health, and prosperity as you possibly can come 2023. As we enter the final 10, this is another one similar to Brennan Murphy, where this is a really special, important one to me, a major one to me. Being at number 10, we have Ryan Legend, Theater Legend, Andrew Burnett, SK3 Legend particularly. Andrew comes out at number 10 because it's been one of the greatest privileges of my life to have my family have been a part of his life for the majority of it since he was a freshman in high school. Or no, since at middle school, my dad was giving tennis lessons. And by that, I mean my dad was his high school tennis coach although he almost went to Prout for theater. And to see him go from Bye Bye Birdie in high school when I was a young kid, watching him center stage as the lead, to then win a Tony Award for a big production on Broadway, I mean, what's better than that? Especially seeing he's from Rhode Island, where he can sympathize with the fact that not a lot of big-time people come from URI or are living in URI, and you can see them randomly in town. And to have him on, although I have to get my dad to help me get in contact with him and to share laughs and to be cool. And also, I was nervous, I will say, that because he had won the Tony Award a while back, Maybe like a year or so before. I don't know. He won the Tony Award recently within the last calendar year when we talked. And it was such a great time talking to him. I was nervous, but I made sure I was on top of my game. And it was a really quality interview. And I was really proud of what came of it. So to you, Andrew, I hopefully hopefully you're tuning in. Hopefully you are, whether it be audio or visual, when you're not doing this next big production, whatever it may be. I thank you not only for who you are, but who your parents are. I thank you not only especially for who your grandmother is, but the kind of person you hold yourself to and the standard that your parents held you to as well. You're in the upper echelon category of quality humans and respectable people and who people dream to be like. And I wish I only had a little bit, 5% of the talent you have as you do in your craft. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully one day and soon, soon in person back in Rhode Island or whatever it may be, and maybe at my dad's retirement party for tennis. And I wish you nothing but the best and all the success you can possibly get, as well as health and prosperity and happiness with your family and yourself on and off the stage come 2023 in the new year. At number nine, we have broadcasting, sports broadcasting, I should say more specifically, Ken Bell next up on the list. And through scheduling and the con conflicts that came with that in terms of not being able to get him at one point and telephone tag through email and so forth and technological issues on both ends, to speak with him was one of the greatest thrills of my life, to tell you the truth. Because although I don't really remember watching him on TV such as I did with Frank Carpano or Dan Jennings, although Dan was news, not sports, to be told by my parents what type of person he was on screen, but also what he seemed like to be off screen, and then to be told by that by my grandparents, that tells you the quality of person he is. And boy, was he every word of that. 
sure, he's had success. He's an award-winning member of the sports broadcasting world. He's a sports broadcasting Hall of Famer and so on and so forth. He's had all these deserved accolades over the course of his 40-year career that he had or whatever it was, whether it be with ABC, uh, ABC6 or when he was at WPRI 12 or whatever station it was. He's the, top, he's the best, the best. He's the top deal, folks. And I hope that everyone has the chance to meet him and talk to him one day because it's worth your while because he gives you insight into life that is better than a lot of other things in life. And it's a real pleasure to have spoken to him, even though he is retired and probably has better things to do, certainly. And I say to you, Ken, if you're tuning in, you know, you're a rare breed of person. You can't be more authentic than what you are. And I wish you nothing but the best with your family in the new year. And hopefully it's as successful, happiness, and prosperity filled as it was in 2022. Hopefully we see each other in person soon. You know, with the last whatever many people it's been, 25 people I've talked about, if that's the correct math, the car boys aren't good at math. The car girls are, but the car boys aren't. Point being, regardless of what's position, the position they have, they have been called at, in this episode so far and what the future ones will be. I could spend an endless amount of time making a video on each person saying how individually great they are. Alas, though, I don't have the energy nor the time to do that. That being said, I'll just do this video version. I'll also say, say this. When I was putting this together, I took a lot of time to try to plan out and put together a list of people who are really memorable. memorable. And I forgot this one person. And coming at number eight via the Golden State again is Michael Andres, a dear friend, not just of the show, but of myself as well, although we barely know each other. I say that because I actually forgot to put him in the list, even though he had recently texted me saying how much of a fan, how supportive, and how uh, loving he he liked the episodes that I put out since our call and the ones he's been able to tune into occasionally. And that takes the cake. When someone says that stuff and they mean it and they text you that saying, oh, yeah, you know, after because I, I wished him a happy holidays because I know he's, I don't know if he's, whatever, point being, I wished him a happy holiday season and a prosperous new year. And he wished me the same thing. And he messaged me the most kindest and considerate message about the quality of job I've done on the podcast. And to tell you the truth, that nearly cried and it gets me a little warmed up right now. Not like the Grinch warmed up at the end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey, but it gets me warmed up and tells me, you know, I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing in life. I'm providing quality stuff to people. And... Never during that interview, which, by the way, I thought was one of my best performances ever, did I, did I think I was nervous or any of that nature. Sure, you have a general type of nerves that you're going to have with anything else in life. But he made it so calm and welcoming and warm and open, and he was so patient that it was so great to have, although his telephone rang during the call and we had some technical issues to a certain extent, he's such a great guy, and I'm so looking forward to seeing him in person one day. So, Michael, if you're tuning in, which you probably are, Buddy, you're the best. I appreciate you so much, regardless of how well we know each other and how connected we are in life. Thank you for being such a big supporter, one of the more bigger supporters I've had on the podcast. You're the best, buddy, and I wish nothing more than for you and your family to have the best and most prosperous, healthy, happy, and successful life in 2023 coming up soon. Staying out west, we have the man himself, Brent, no relation at number seven. And similar to the other guests I've had on, like Antonio Reynolds-Dean, who have been sort of difficult interviews where it's been a lot of email tag, I was so great to have him on. Because not only did he do a documentary on one of my favorite music genres being doo-wop, you know, the Dell Vikings and so forth, but he did one on Brian Wilson, one of my favorite singers and musicians of all time, but Long Promise Road, the Brian Wilson story, the doo-wop one was Streetlight Harmonies. And he also did one of the 1972 Munich Olympic Games. It's a, a miniseries, I should say, on Peacock and NBC. And to have 
done those and to have tuned those over and watched as much as I can of all three of those projects, it's such a great deal. Not only to talk to someone who has the same amount of appreciation for one of my favorite albums being the Beach Boys self-titled 1985 album, was such a thrill to talk to him because he's another guy. And although, like David, when David was on a big milestone episode being the 90th, to have someone like Brent on my 100th episode, which, by the way, I love the graphics I had for that episode. It was such a great thrill. I'm smiling from ear to ear and cheek to cheek, if you can't tell, doing this because he was such a great guy. You know, although he's had success the last chunk of time recently, there's no ego about him. He's so appreciative of the people he's been in contact with, the ability to do anything, whether it be a podcast like mine to be on or anyone's podcast, and to talk about stuff he loves, his passion projects, and for him to be welcoming and patient with me and to be complimentary of me like everyone else I've ever had on. What else can you say besides Brent? Thank you so much for being who you are, for being genuine, for not being for being someone who's an actual fan of the Beach Boys and actually does quality content on Brian Wilson or did quality content on Brian Wilson. Thank you so much. Your work was the best, and I look forward to seeing you at West in the Golden State sometime soon in person, sharing a nice cold beer with you one day. I wish you and your family nothing but the best and most healthiest, happiest, and prosperous New Year of 2023 that can be possible. Coming at number six on this list is the Florida man himself. And no, not those ones you see in the uh, memes from the news, but it is Scott Cotton, the musical director, guitarist, singer, and collaborator with Mike Love of the Beach Boys. And, you know, even though I did my best to not mess up too much on the episode, he certainly showed a fair amount of patience during my word jumbles up and my tongue tying moments. And I just, I thank him so much. And, to be honest with you, I had him a little further up on my list only because at the time of every month, I didn't know what to expect. And I, I, I felt I didn't do as good of a job I could have been for the mo- for a good chunk of it during the interview. But little did I know that he deserved so much to be higher upon this list because after our interview finished and he was so complimentary of my work and I apologize for the lack of quality I did at some points during our call that I told him, hey, I'm you know just to let you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys during my first Beach Boys show this upcoming tour, you have the Winter Seasons for Greetings tour in Connecticut at uh, Foxwoods on November 26th. And although I kind of said that intentionally just to see what would happen, he eventually, what would happen was he'd get me two backstage passes, two backstage passes for after the show to hang out with him and chat and chat with all the other guys, including Bruce, Johnston, Mike Love, and all the, most of the other members of the group who were back there. And to have done that, to get most of them to sign my shirts and chat about my life, and the great music that is the Beach Boys catalog. What's going to say? And he is one of the greatest people of all time, not only because he's a tennis superstar. I've yet to play him. So if you're tuning in, Scott, you're listening to this, where it may be on your break before you go to again in the new year for a thousand gajillion dates with Mike Love and Bruce. I, I hope that we meet in person one day somewhere and we're able to hit the felt one day. And I thank you so much for the quality of person you were and what you've been a part of and helping keep the Beach Boys alive for many more years to come, even if we're all dead and the music is still going on. I wish you nothing but healthiness, happiness, and success and prosperity for not only yourself, but your family as well, as well as the rest of the Beach Boys and the ensuing dates coming up in the new year. Continuing with the highlights and past the Florida Keys, where you can find Jimmy Buffett laying in the sand with bare feet, is number, fo- number five, Carly Munoz. I'm going to say number four. Number five being Carly Munoz. You know, mentioning some of the highlights in the podcast and some moments that stand the test of time and stand alone as superstar, their own corners of the world type of moments of this last two years of the podcast, but specifically the last calendar year of the podcast, this is one that takes the cake. 
even though we have technological issues on his part with his dog barking and so forth at the beginning and every other thing that might have happened, he was so kind, considerate, so appreciative, so thankful and command or commending of my ability as a podcaster because an interviewer because he had watched a few episodes previous to our conversation only you know to prepare himself to ex- know what to expect and i had such a great time another moment where i was not nervous at all i wanted to make sure i asked certain questions and like anything else you miss a few questions that you wanted to ask also for time reasons you probably it's a good thing to forget a few questions point being i don't remember ever feeling nervousness during our time conversation because he made me feel comfortable and although he was with the Beach Boys for a very long period and he worked with Dennis closely on Pacific Ocean Blue, but other projects as well, as long as well as his own work that he's done as a solo artist, as well as the work he did with Dennis on Pacific Ocean Blue that has been on his solo projects, he's also been a successful businessman, entrepreneur, and restaurateur of Carly's Fine Dining and Bistro and Old San Juan, Puerto Rico for the last 20 plus years. And what more can you say about someone like himself? And I'm so looking forward to having him on again in the new year, next fall, for his book discussion of his new memoir that will be coming out. And to Carly, for tuning in, good sir, when you're not busy playing music or at the restaurant playing at the piano bar, thank you, good sir, for being who you are, for being one of my favorite people ever in the world. Thank you for having some sort of relationship that we have together and some connection to any degree, small or large. Thank you for your stories, and I wish you and your family nothing but the best and most healthiest, happy, and success and gratifying filled 2023 years you've ever had. You know, again, a moment of saying, you know, getting to this point in the top five and close, getting closer to closing out the list and this episode of the podcast, part two, the second anniversary retrospect of the Nolan Carr Night Show, you're starting to get to the top top of the top, top of the heap guest that I've been able to have on, fortunately. Like I mentioned earlier, growing up in Rhode Island, it's not like a city such as New York City or LA or now Austin where celebrities are going to, or maybe even Miami, where you can walk around town and you can randomly see celebrities every day. Rhode Island, and whether it be Providence, Cranston, Coventry, East Greenwich, West, uh, Exeter, West Greenwich, Westerly, West Warwick, Warwick, North Kingstown, Narragansett, Smithfield, Ponagansett, whatever it may be, South Kingstown, North Kingstown, I didn't say that already. You don't see a whole lot of them. It, rarely may you see one if they're just passing by for some reason. So to grow up in not just South County and go to URI and King, small Kingston, Rhode Island, but to grow up in Rhode Island in general, to have someone like Tommy Garrett who comes in at number four and to have succeeded as, as much as he did, not just as a high school athlete, but as a college athlete, and then now as a coach at several different institutions, both as a head and assistant. It makes me really proud to be Rhode Islander, and I would, it makes me feel like I'd never want to be born anywhere else. I'd rather be born here at any point in my life if you ask me that question. I say that because he's such a down-to-earth guy, because I know a lot of people from Rhode Island, both my age and older or younger, who are overtly cocky and don't deserve to be that way at all, because they, they have no right. And someone who has the right to be like that is Tommy Garrett, which he's not. Now, some of his teammates, like Jim Christian, may say otherwise. But he's one of the greatest competitors that's ever been, I think, around, although I was not born during that time. My dad has thankfully shared stories. And to have had someone on the podcast, regardless of how the length of it and when it was, and every time I tried to get him on, and the uncomfortableness was there when the SID joined at the beginning. Sorry if you're tuning in, sir. To have him on, to have someone of his nature, one of the top, if not one of the top three greatest athletes in not just URI men's basketball history, but URI athletics in general and Rhode Island athletics in general, 
it's a moment where you have to pinch yourself and say, how in the goddamn hell did this happen? And it's another prime example of pushing forward and saying, I can do this, I will do this, and I will continue this for however long it may be. So to you, Sir Tommy Garrick, of, formerly of West Wark, now of Vanderbilt, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your hospitality, your generosity, your comical collectiveness, your honesty, but also your ability to be humble with whatever it may be you're doing. I so look forward to hopefully one day meeting you. Hopefully it's at the Ring of Honor ceremony come February against UMass. And I look forward to talking to you then at some point, hopefully. I wish you and your family nothing and the team of Vanderbilt, the women's program, nothing but the happiest, healthiest, and successful and prosperous and great new years to come in the year of 2023. Coming in at number three is another California boy being the legend himself, Bobby Figueroa. And the reason why I'm uh, I'm so mesmerized and appreciative of him is he is one of the examples like Thor Bjorn, Anthony Macari, and a few others who were one of my very first few big-time players. And to have had another person similar to Carly who was with the Beach Boys like Bobby for so long and to have continued to stay within the Beach Boys realm with Al Jardine and his own group of former touring musicians of California Surf Incorporated, he's such a great person. To then have met him for a really brief time at a concert for Al Jardine's solo stuff, and to have him sign my L.A. Light album, which of the of the Beach Boys, which was one of my favorites that he was a part of, and he's so appreciative of. And to have him say, oh, yeah, didn't I do an interview with you? And to have a picture with him, it, it's so great. Whether he knows me a great deal at all, whether I know him a great deal or, or not, it, it's such a great deal to be in the same stress-free world and lifetime as people like Bobby. And he is another example of someone who's really appreciative and humble about his stuff, even though he can certainly be cocky and overconfident in his line of work. And to you, sir, Mr. Robert Figueroa, Bobby Figueroa, thank you so much for who you are. I love you, buddy. You're the best. Hopefully we see each other soon down the road at a concert. Sometime we can talk backstage about music and life in general. You're the best. I wish nothing for you, nothing, nothing for you and uh, Jojo, but the greatest, healthiest, prosperous, and successful years ahead in 2023. Thank you, my friend. making probably the final cross-country trip back over to the other side of the country or sort of Midwest to a certain extent, or to stay out West, depending on how you look at it. Another California guy, you may see him playing for thousands of fans across the country, or you may be seeing him relaxing on the LA beaches or back home in the Motor City being Detroit, Michigan. It's the one and only Mr. Chris Farmer. And as I said, with other guests who have been difficult to get, this is another one to get. Although it was similar to um, Scott Tan because Chris tours so much, whether it be with the Surf City All-Stars, his own thing, or with Bobby Figueroa's, Bobby Figueroa's group, as I'm studying my words, of California Surf Incorporated, CSI. He is so busy. So to finally lock him down on a date, confirm it, and finally do it and talk, it was great. And it was another example, some of the Carly's and Michael Andres's that, and Bobby's, it was some of my greatest work possible, though Chris's was a little after Bobby's and, all before, and before uh, Carly and Michael's. It was some of the best quality that I liked the graphics I did, the clips I put out there on YouTube. It was, I enjoyed it so, so much. And from the get-go, he was so great and so funny. He's such a character because when we, before we started going recorded, he complimented me a great deal on my long blonde hair at the time when it was long. Now it's, of course, short. I'm wearing a hat, a Brian Wilson hat, mind you, the legend Brian Wilson. But from the compliment that me having surfer-like hair like Dennis Wilson, it was so great. And I hope one day, any, uh, Carly, Chris, if you're watching this or listening to this, whatever it may be, tuning in, whatever the case is, I hope we run to each other one day soon in person. We're able to chat and take a po photo into and share a nice cold beverage. 
And I wish you and your family and your band, whichever one it may be, nothing but the most successful, prosperous, happy, healthiest, and successful years it can be in 2023. Take care, my good friend. Now, it's the time of the video, the moment we've all been waiting for, the final edition, the final spot on the retrospect of Most Memorable Guest, uh, part two of the second anniversary edition of the Nolan Carnage Show podcast. And by way of Brooklyn, as well as all in Long Island, it is the one only the legend himself, Richie Kanata, coming in at number one, the most memorable guest I've had on the podcast. And like Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, the chairman of the board, Richie is the definition of as cool as cool can be, and although there are others out there, certainly. But man, was this pro this was, I believe this, the highest quality performance I've ever done, not just statistically, but how I did as an interviewer and as a researcher that I've ever done. And he complimented on that endless, a great deal. I shouldn't say endless because I don't want to overtly say this and lie about something. But he complimented me a great deal at the end of our conversation. We shared tons of laughs, stories, not just of his time with the Beach Boys and the in the early to late 90s, but also his time as the, an original member of the Billy Joel Band and success he was there for for five of Billy's greatest albums, as well as his time as the leader of his own band with former Billy Joel Band members, the Lords of 52nd Street, which you should all check out if you ever have the opportunity to, as I'm saying to you, hopefully now looking into the camera instead of off the side to my James Bond DVD collection box set. He was a guy that made you feel comfortable. So continue, I don't know why I keep looking off camera. But back to my point, Richie was another guy who made you feel comfortable. He's a guy who made you feel that although you're talking to someone who's had a lot of success, not just as a musician, but a, a, as a performer and as a studio um, owner as well, uh, Cove City Sound Studios on Long Island. And it was such a great one because he was so honest and forthright in saying, you know, you have to pay your dues, of course. You have to put in the time and the effort, but you have to love what you do. If you have to have a passion, you never have to give up and stop doing it because if you love something enough you're not going to give up you're never going to stop dreaming and to talk to him about his life is a great deal and him to be as kind as he was for the time that we had and i know for him i'm sure it was a little weird on carpet diving again like i said i've said like i told you earlier on, i'm going to repeat myself a lot to have some random person emailing you and although he sort of emails only a few word sentences to finally get him on after his busy schedule opened up a few months ago to talk to him was a blessing in of itself and one of the greatest treats I've ever had. And I loved it so much. My dad loved the episode. And like Scott, he offered to uh, get me tickets for a show if he's in my area because he doesn't tour a whole lot in my area. But, you know, that meant a whole lot. So, Richie, whether I'm able to make it to the con a concert nearby me or not in the near future, hopefully at some point I can. We can meet in person, share a nice cold beverage, and talk about not just music but life itself. You're the best buddy I wish. Uh, nothing but the best for not only yourself, your studio, and your family heading into New Year filled with prosperity, happiness, success, and good health. As I come to the end of this video, and I close my eyes and think of all the happiness I've had here and all the success and accomplishment and privileges I've had here doing this for you all out there, both listeners and viewers, I'm hard-pressed to find words. And the only thing I have to say is in the words of Dennis Wilson, thank you, thank you, thank you. Never in a million goddamn years that I think I'd be able to do or achieve something of this magnitude, never mind for this length of time. As I said in part one of this re brief retrospect of the second anniversary of the Known Car Night Show podcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time each week, is that although I'm confident in myself, as I said also in this part, I didn't think I'd be able to last this long. Because oftentimes when I do something that I'm passionate about, I burn out fast and have 
lose interest or if it doesn't even connect to me or relate to me or I care about it enough, I, it doesn't bother me. I move on to the next thing. And what this podcast has taught me is that I put enough effort, energy, enthusiasm, and love and passion to something. I can achieve anything I want. And you best better believe that, damn it. And that goes to everyone else out there. If you have a goal, if you have a dream, if you have a passion to do something, to try to achieve something, who cares if someone tells you no? If you believe in yourself, go for it, damn it. Don't let anybody tell you elsewise. And whether you have a ton of people watching, whether they skip through your social media feed like they have with mine, whether you get seven views on one episode recently or over 500 views on one like Mark Lynette's, do it. Because if you love it, the views, the listeners, all that stuff, the subscription rate, it does not matter at all. Because what matters most is you enjoying it. And I've enjoyed every goddamn minute of doing this podcast for everyone out there, whether it's friends, family, or random people I don't even know across the country, state, town, world, whatever it may be. And to have the various different guests from all works of life, the broadcast, journalism, sports, and news industry, entertainment, music, sports, coaching, life in general, it, it, it's been rewarding beyond anything I can say. Each guest, although I, I sort of had a ranking system here, has their own yet unique set of skills and abilities that supersede anything I could ever possibly do besides this podcast and to talk to them and have their own uniqueness being shown here via my own self talking about it or them sharing it themselves. It's something that you can't even begin to express. You're a speechless. And I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to every single guest that I've had on to everyone who's motivated me by either being a guest or a family member or other person who does a podcast, whether indirectly or directly. You guys make me do this every single week, and I have no plans of stopping anytime soon. I'm so thankful and lucky to do this each and every week for the last two years. I'm still looking forward to the future episodes that I have ready for you guys to watch and future ones I'm going to try to get. And here's to 2022. Here's to the last two years of doing the podcast, doing it the last calendar year, and here's to two more years of the podcast. I bid you all a heartfelt good night. Thank you for the last year of happiness, laughs, and prosperity and warmness feelings in my stomach. I wish each and every viewer and listener out there nothing but the best, most ha healthiest, happiest, successful, and prosperous lives they can. New Year being 2023, which is hard to imagine. Take care and enjoy your night.